Good morning. Huh, happy Father's Day to you fathers. I know, like Paul mentioned, Father's Day can be a very painful day for some people. Dads are far from perfect. I've joked about it before, but please uh, don't talk to my children. <laughs> it's a real blessing to be a dad. And I want you to know, no matter good dad, bad dad, our Heavenly Father is a perfect father and not like any human father with our gaps and our mistakes, our best intentions. And I thought it'd be appropriate today as we worship the Lord together, I ask you to stand and let's recite the Lord's Prayer and worship our great God as we say it together. Would you stand with me and, and we'll, we'll read it on the board. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Our God is a good God. And a little review from last week. What are the biggest needs that people have? What are the biggest needs in the world? Well, the Lord's Prayer actually addresses those needs. Jesus reveals to them our greatest needs in this prayer. We've moved from heaven's concerns to earth's concerns in the Lord's Prayer. We're in the second part. The first part's focused on heaven and God. And now we're focused on earth, on, on us. And, and Elmer Towns says, I, I love the way he, he breaks it down, acknowledging our dependence on God is the focus of the second part of the Lord's Prayer. Because we need, Lord, give us bread. Because we sin, forgive us our debts. Because we stray, lead us not into temptation. Because we are helpless, deliver us from evil. Today we want to focus on the idea of temptation. And I have these four questions to ask and try to answer this morning. Number one is this. Does God lead people into temptation? First question. Second question, if God does not tempt us, who does? Third question, or know how easily we fall into temptations. Know yourself. And understand as well, God's grace in Jesus Christ provides the way for us to have victory over our unholy desires. So, Let's take a look at this this morning. So first of all, we are constantly battling temptation. And in this ongoing battle, understand this, that God never tempts anyone. He doesn't tempt us to cause us to sin. James wrote this in his letter, chapter 1, verse 12, and verse 13. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. You see, God's holy and he's righteous. That means he does everything right. So he does not stand by a door that says, do not enter 
and say, well, why don't, you, why don't you go ahead and go in? God would never stand by a door that says, do not enter, and say, come on, try it, go ahead, have a little fun, live a little. You know, God did not stand by the tree in the Garden of Eden that he had forbidden them to eat of and say, wow, have you noticed that tree? I really did. It's, it's, wow, look at that fruit. It's amazing. Don't you wish you could eat that and just try it? God would never do that. The tempter, the devil does that, but God would never do that. What does God do when temptation comes at us, confronts us? Well, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, we just read it in our scripture reading, says that he will provide a way for us to escape. God provides a way for us to avoid the temptation, to avoid sin's destructive uh, ways that happen. You see, God's a good shepherd. He's a faithful shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus reminded the disciples and those who he was teaching that I have come, I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Kind of referring back to the Lord, uh, uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. We will find good pasture with God. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I've come that they may have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is hired, the hired hand, and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. So God isn't there tempting any of us to do evil. God is there standing by us to protect us, to watch over us, to lead us to quiet waters, to lead us to green pastures. Jesus didn't run away like the hired hand would when the wolf come, when it's dangerous. No, he stopped. He laid down his life in order to save us so we could be safe and feed in green pastures, so to speak, and to enjoy quiet waters in his kingdom. So the question is, if God doesn't tempt us, why would Jesus say in a prayer, lead us not into temptation? because he wants us to know ourselves and know that we are easily tempted. So if God doesn't tempt us, if we understand that we're weak, who does tempt us? Well, famous saying, the world, the flesh, or ourselves, and the devil. In 1 John chapter 2, we might ask, what is the world? Well, you know, we're standing on part of the world right now, aren't we? <laughs> We're a part of the earth. But that's not what the world is when John's referring to the world. Here's what he says in 1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world or the things of the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So what is the world? The world is the marketplace of ideas. It's life philosophies. What I believe is true 
leads to the choices I make in life. That's what the world is selling us, ideas and life philosophies, and its thinking is opposite of God's thinking. The world has ideas. Some of them are good ideas because they're based on some of God's truth, but it's really counter to or opposite of God's full revelation. What is the world's way of thinking? If you have your Bibles, turn back to Genesis chapter 4. Way back at the beginning, Genesis chapter 3 is when Adam and Eve sinned, when they chose to disobey God. Eve was deceived. Adam chose to eat the fruit in disobedience to God. And sin came into the world, and its effects were early. But in in Genesis chapter 4, look at verse 19. We meet a man by the name of Lamech. In verse 19 it says, And Lamech had two wives. The name of one was Adah, and the name of the other was Zillah. And Adah bore Jabel, and he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. And his brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. And Zillah also bore Tubal-Cain. He was the forger of all the instruments of bronze and iron. And the sister of Tubal-Cain was Naima. They were famous family. I think that's the point here. They were prosperous. They were well-known. They were famous. But listen to what Lamech says to his wives. Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. This is a picture of the world's philosophy that John and Jesus are telling us to avoid. Lamech was saying he didn't need God, that he could take care of himself, and that he was actually to be feared more than God. If God avenges Cain seven times, well, look out. I'll do it 77 times. That's the pride of life. But what does God have to say about Lamech's way of life, his his philosophy of life versus God's way or Jesus' way? Well, John tells us, and the world is passing away with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus said this, whoever hears my word, the word of mine, and puts them into practice, builds their house on a rock. And if you don't build on my truth, You're building on sand, and you build your house, your life, on something that's going to fall. So when the floods of life come, when the storms of life come, and God's flood of judgment comes, what's going to happen? Well, the house built on the rock is going to stand. The house built on sand, well, Jesus said its fall is going to be great. So here's the question today as we think about the world. The three things that tempt us, the world, the flesh, and the devil, Well, the world is trying to sell us philosophies. And and here's what a question you might want to have asked Lamech if you lived back then and met him. Lamech, are you still proudly alive or suffering in shame? Are you living in God's presence or away from his presence? You see, the world's way of thinking would pull us away from God, and we have to ask ourselves, whose voice am I listening to? Will my choices in life stand the test of God's flood of judgment when the storms come 
and shake the foundations of all you've built your life on. God says the world's wisdom is going to fail. So if God doesn't tempt us, who does? Well, the world would pull us away, and then ourselves would pull us away, our own flesh. Our flesh is weak. Our own desires are easily enticed to disobey God and his commands. The scriptures tell us that we're all sinful. We're enslaved to it. We're ruled by sin. It overpowers us. Paul's assessment when he combined a whole bunch of uh, Old Testament scriptures in Romans said this in Romans 3, no one's righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God, no one does good, not even one. So the world would tempt to overpower us, but our own sinful nature that dwells within us would overpower us as well. Again, back in Genesis chapter 4, there's another picture of our own flesh overpowering us. Do you remember Cain? Cain, in, in chapter 4 of Genesis, verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desires contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Well, we know the story. Cain listened to his own voice. He listened to his own flesh. He listened to his own desires, his own passions, and they overtook him, overpowered him, and he murdered his brother. God was giving Cain a way to escape, just like he gives you and me a way to escape all the time. But like Cain so often, we refuse to listen. We listen to our own voice, the voice of selfish envy, the voice of jealousy. We let it be our counselor rather than God and his word. What do we do with our weak flesh that is always tempting us? What are we going to do if we're trapped in this body of flesh that's weak and easily tempted? We're going to talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. So, if God doesn't tempt us, who does? I'm hanging out on this point for quite a while, but the world does. And its ideas would pull us in and say, follow us, don't worry about God, you've got to live it up now. And, and we know that that will not stand under God's flood of judgment when it comes. Our own flesh would entice us. It's weak, it's easy. Hey, I like peanut M&Ms. I've said that a million times from this pulpit. You know? Yeah. I'm not the only guy who likes peanut M&Ms. I hope I get some today. I don't, I don't know. I'm just putting that out there. Kids, are you listening? I am. God does not tempt us, the world, the flesh, and the devil. I'm showing my age, but some of you would remember Flip Wilson. He was a TV comedian, and he had this famous line. He had a lot of famous lines, but one of them was this. The devil made me do it. <laughs> we said that quote all over the place when I was a teenager. There were some other things he said as well. But the truth is, the devil did not make anyone do it. He's just there enticing us. 
We did it. We chose to listen to him. His deceptions, his lying, his enticing, his half-truths, and we said yes ourselves. I tell you what, Satan and his minions, they are students of humanity, and they know how to get us. They know if it isn't this weakness, guys, it's this one. If it isn't this, ladies, it's that one. They know how to push our buttons and to pull us in. Peter reminds us that the devil's like a roaring lion looking around, seeking whom he may devour. So what are we to do? Well, we can resist him. God does not tempt us. He doesn't lead us astray. We're constantly in a battle with temptation because of the world, our own, our own weakness in our humanity. The devil tempts us to go after unholy desires. How can you and I resist this barrage? I mean, it's like three against one. And they're big and they're everywhere. Well, we need to know ourselves. We need to distrust, distrust ourselves. We are weak and we fall into sin. And I go back to the, the James letter in, in chapter 1. He tells us that. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. I don't know how we can ever doubt that that's the truth, that sin leads to death. Because it's filled my life, how about yours? It fills the news around the world. In James chapter 4, listen to these words. James really, really hammers us. Chapter 4, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and do not receive because you ask wrong, wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. God allows our faith to be tested. He doesn't tempt us, but he allows our faith to be tested for good purposes. Why? Because it strengthens us. Again, in James chapter 1, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. So God doesn't tempt us, but he comes alongside us and he says, you know what, I'm going to make a way for you to escape if you just resist, if you just don't trust in yourself, don't listen to the world, but listen to me and my word, trust in me. I will help you to stand and you will overcome and you will be stronger. How do trials and temptations work for my good? Again, back in Genesis chapter 50, there's the story of Joseph. And by the way, 
I don't have time, well, we could read the whole story today, but we'd be here a long time. It's a great story. It's a soap opera story. It's amazing, Joseph and his brothers, and all that happened there. But listen to what Joseph said in chapter 50 of Genesis, the summary statement of his life. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, and they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. And if you don't know the story, read Genesis chapter 37 through the end of Genesis chapter 50. They did all kinds of evil. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Hey, Joseph, don't forget. (laughs) Please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sins because they did evil to you. That's what dad said, so don't forget that. They were worried. And now please forgive the transgressions of the servants of God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And his brothers also came, and they fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. That's the grace of God. That's a picture of Jesus Christ. All the evil we've done against God and one another. And he says, do not fear. I will forgive your transgressions. I will treat you kindly. I will be gracious to you. That's an amazing thought pictured for us even back in Genesis. So know you're weak. And how easily you fall into temptation. Know that good intentions and the actions that I promise to do today turn quickly to the opposite the next day. Has that ever happened in your life, that you promised to do this? I'm not going to do that again. I won't say that again. I won't hurt you that way. I won't do that again. And then we do it again, maybe even the next day. How quickly we fall, how quickly we need God's In his letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul wrote this bad news. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, There's those three things, the world, the flesh, and the devil. They're they're right there listed just in a little bit different order. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. It's who we are. Of course, then there's the good news, right? But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So temptation is this constant battle because we live in the world because our sin nature lurks in us. It's just ready to jump out and take a hold of all our body's passions. The devil's working to deceive us and pull us away from God. And God warns us, don't trust 
yourselves. You need a savior, and he came. So how can I live victoriously for Christ? How can I really follow God and do it well? I go back to James chapter 4. Look at verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Draw near to God. Daily dependence. God opposes the proud, it says in verse 8, but gives grace to the humble. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So you ask for daily bread. Did you thank your Heavenly Father today for your daily bread? While you're doing that, ask him for the daily strength to help you stand firm against temptation, to walk in holiness in his kingdom rather than doing your own will to do his. Daily asking for God's grace to carry you. Resist the devil, it says in verse 7, and he will flee from you. Resist him in God's strength. Grow in friendship with God. I love how the New Living Translation reads. I want to read verses 4, 4 through 6 in the Living Translation because God's grace gives us a resource to follow him closely. God's word gives us his truth so that we can know which way to go. The people of God can help us stand firm against against God. But listen to the New Living Translation, verses 4 through 6. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with this world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, that if your aim is to enjoy this world, you can't be a friend of God. What do you think the scripture means when they say that the Holy Spirit whom God has placed within us jealously longs for us to be faithful? He gives us more and more strength to stand against such evil desires as the scriptures say. God sets himself against the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. How can sinners wash their hands? How can hypocrites purify their hearts? How can we shed sincere tears for the wrongs we've done and feel true sorrow for our rebellion against God? Where does that come from? Well, James tells us, when you bow down before the Lord and admit your dependence on him, he will lift you up and honor you. That's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2. He's raised us up with Christ and seated us in the heavenly places. if we bow before him in humble belief. But God, who is rich in mercy, raised us up from the dead along with Christ, and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms. Therefore, peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. So the world is full of evil and tempts us to ignore God and chase after what seems to be like happy stuff for the moment. And Jesus counsels us to do something different. 
not to believe the lie, but to build, don't build your life on sand, that's the world's ideas, but build your, build your life on my truth, build your life on me, build your life on the rock of God, and you will live in all eternity. In Psalm 37, same ideas just to encourage us about building on the rock of God. David said it this way. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good and dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as light and your justice as the noonday. Sounds like being lifted up to me. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Believe what God says and chase after him and you will overcome your unholy desires as you trust in him. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask you because we are weak, because we easily go astray, Do not lead us into temptation that would overpower us, but by your mercy and grace, fill us with your strength. Guide us by the power of your gift of the Holy Spirit that you've given us to walk, to believe, and to trust in you even more. Lord, help us to believe your word, that you are the rock that will stand, that will hold us up when the most terrible things come into our lives, we will stand with you in peace. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done. In the name of Christ, we give thanks. Amen.